Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Father Andrew Mattingly. I am a Catholic priest in Kansas City, Missouri, and this is a podcast where I post homilies and random other stuff that I might teach or speak about. Hope you find something useful and maybe even inspiring. God bless you. I want to first of all say a special welcome to Father Hansen for uh, celebrating our Mass tonight uh, on the feast day of St. Jose Maria. Also Father Jonathan Davis, who's down from uh, St. Joseph as well, uh, pastor of St. Patrick Parish up there. Um, thank you to all of you to come uh, to celebrate uh, the feast of St. Jose Maria. It's a real honor, I'll say, first of all, to preach at this Mass just because my familiarity with St. Jose Maria is pretty short. Really, it, it, it comes down to the last four years or so of my life, maybe five, uh, that I've become closely familiar with him. I know many of you perhaps have been familiar with his life for many decades, so um, yeah, it's an honor to, to preach um, to this group today. and. Yeah, as I was thinking about what to preach about on, on his feast day, um, I thought I would just sort of basically lay out some of the horizons that he's opened up for me in my own life in the past four years. Um, and I hope that they can be of some assistance to you as you seek to continue on the path of, of holiness uh, in pursuit of sanctity. Uh, horizons was sort of a phrase that St. Jose Maria would use often, that he was sort of always in his conversations with people trying to open up for them new horizons of sanctity in their life that they could uh, pursue. And that, that has happened in a, in a huge way in my life uh, through becoming familiar with him. Um, and to start, uh, the reason I became familiar with St. Jose Maria was four years ago, my spiritual director suggested that I read his definitive biography, which is this monster, sort of three volumes, like 1,500 pages. And at first I was uh, somewhat resistant. Um, and then, I don't know, a month or two after he had suggested it to me for reading, I thought, well, this, is, this isn't very uh, docile of me <laughs> to resist a, a suggestion from my director for a spiritual reading, so I bought it and I started reading it and just devoured it and, and like, I mean slowly and methodically, but over four or five months I read through it um, and it was, I mean, I don't want to be uh, dramatic, but it was pretty life-changing. I just sort of connected with almost everything that I was reading uh, about the life of St. Jose Maria, um, the spirituality and insights that he received from God throughout his life. Um, and it reminded me, after I finished reading this massive uh, biography, how in years past, sometimes, you know, if I would ask somebody, oh, what's your confirmation saying? Or, or we'd get to talking with people about devotion that they had to specific saints. Sometimes somebody would give a response along the lines of, oh, I didn't choose them, they chose me, you know. And my thought, inside was always, oh, that's so pious, you know, great, I'm glad, you know. Um, and then, it, and then it, it happened to me, like, you know, it, it happened with uh, St. Jose Maria, and I sort of ate my words, you know. I'd, I'd read dozens and dozens and dozens of biographies of saints up to that point, but this was the very first time I read a biography of a, of a saint, and I really did feel like everything in his life, both his words and his actions, uh, were just sort of speaking to me in, in a unique way. Um, and so, I, again, I just want to uh, 
share a little bit about some of the horizons he opened up for me. Um, uh, and hopefully, again, it can help uh, you in some way uh, in pursuing the ultimate vocation that all of us have received in baptism, which is the vocation to holiness. So, uh, the first horizon, um, I can say that Jose Maria opened up for me was kind of giving me an image of what it looked like to find God in the ordinary, right? This is one of the many aspects of the spirituality given to him by God uh, and, and, and that he was in, enlightened by um, uh, from the Lord. And, you know, I, prior to four years ago, of course, I knew the Lord's providence was active in every moment of my day, but I didn't really have a vision or a picture, if you will, of, of how exactly to, to tap into that in a, in a practical sense. Um, I, there's a story from Jose Maria's life that in the 1950s when he was in Rome, uh, one of the builders uh, of the headquarters there of, of Opus Dei asked him, they said, there are a number of little chapels in the headquarters, the oratories, and they asked someone, they said, Father, which oratory is your favorite? And he thought about it for a second, and then he said, the street, the street is, is my favorite oratory. Right? Some of you are probably familiar with the fact that he often talked about being contemplatives in the middle of the street, that you can find God everywhere, that you can commune with Him everywhere, in every moment of the day, in any context. Uh, probably the, this hit home for me the most about a year and a half ago uh, when I realized that the street for me on most days is emails, right? And that I'd, I'd never really had uh, a vision or, or a capacity to find God in my inbox, right? But of course we know that the Lord's providence touches all things, right? So like there, there had to be some way for me to commune with the Lord while answering emails. I hadn't figured it out yet. And then one day it was just sort of this insight from the Lord and I think from uh, the intercession of Jose Maria of, okay, like, I mean, every person I'm responding to is a soul. And so I can just insert a little aspiration uh, as, I'm, as I begin and end each email, asking the Lord to bless this person or uh, to heal them of this suffering or to, to help them to deeper conversion or whatever, just a two-second aspiration. Um, and so this, this part of his spirituality of just finding God in the ordinary, uh, I didn't have practical images of that prior to running across St. Jose Maria. And the, the emails is just one example among many. Uh, of a new horizon that sort of opened up for me in the spiritual life. Uh, I haven't tapped the horizon very well, but it's, <laughs> it's there, right? So I, I know um, sort of how to pursue it. Um, a second thing tied into that, another horizon that St. Jose Maria opened up for me was, to, it's kind of hard to put in words, but how much love you can saturate a normal day with. That's kind of one way to, to put it, right? In reading about his life, it's, it, it kind of blew me away how much he, he just completely saturated every single moment of the day from the very first one until his, his last thought before he fell asleep with the love of Jesus, right? That's all he was doing all day was just saturating, like finding the Lord in the present moment and loving him there. 
Um, and I didn't really have an image of that either until reading about his life and seeing how he himself, how he himself did it. Uh, when I was in seminary, probably when I was about 21 years old, was the first time in my life where I remember looking back on a week and saying, okay, over the past seven days, I didn't even waste 10 minutes which is sort of this like crazy moment that I never thought I would get to of, of sort of utilizing time that well for good things. But it wasn't until I discovered Jose Maria that it, I had an image for not just how to use time efficiently or well or not waste time, that's one thing. But then there's the deeper layer. Once, once I'm sort of somewhat accomplished at not wasting time, now how do I saturate all of those moments with a deeper and deeper love of the Lord, that's a different question. Uh, and that required Jose Maria to, to help me. One of the things I remember reading uh, him saying at one point, this might be a quote in The Way or The Fur of the Forge, um, one of you can tell me afterwards, but at some point he said, you know, we should have it as a goal that at the end of the, the day, uh, we can fall asleep saying, Lord, Today, I thought only about you and other people, and I didn't even think about myself once. I remember reading that and thinking, wow, I have never even come anywhere close to that. <laughs> um, but that's a new horizon, right, that was opened up before my eyes. And, and it was clear, of course, that that's only possible with a deep, deep love for the Lord. Uh, that's the only way that somebody is going to arrive at that point. Um, and I, I was very moved in reading uh, 40 Years with a Saint. Some of you probably read that book. It's an interview with Blessed Alvaro about having lived with St. Jose Maria for 40 years. And one of the things he mentions is that he had the habit of falling asleep at night. Uh, and in his imagination, he would visit the tabernacles in the world where the Lord was most neglected. Right? Just a very beautiful thing. And, and just another sort of element in him opening up my own imagination for what it looks like to saturate the day with the love of Jesus all the way to the very last possible moment. Right? He didn't even want to waste the, the seconds while he was falling asleep to not love the Lord uh, in, in those moments. Um, and I found that to be just uh, very helpful uh, and, and moving. Um, and a new, a new horizon for me. Um, a couple more quickly uh, that I'll offer to you. One was, was his uh, childlike affection for Jesus. I found this very striking because he was an extremely strong-willed man. He could exercise great firmness uh, in, in many instances. But at other moments, you saw this this really, really amazing tenderness, tender affection for the Lord. When he was a young priest, there was a moment where he was chaplain to this group of sisters in Madrid, and one day they sort of, I guess there was a crack in the door to the sacristy, and I believe it was, it was either before or after Mass, but one of the sisters could kind of see through, and they saw him cradling a statue of the child Jesus, with he didn't know that they could, they could see him, like with extraordinary affection, just kissing the, this little statue. Um, and it was, it was sort of a, a memory that these sisters never forgot 
of just this, this really incredible affection that he had um, for the Lord. Blessed Alvaro says that when Jose Maria would shave in the morning, he would often sing these uh, hy like hymns and tunes that he learned as a child, these little uh, songs to, to Jesus and to Mary. He would often sing those like he was you know, five years old as, as he was uh, shaving in the morning. One of the ones that kind of most moved me about his sort of tenderness and affection for the Lord was during the Spanish Civil War, he was on a, a very long train ride from Madrid to Barcelona and he had to be sort of undercover at this time. And there were some soldiers in the same train car with them that for the duration of the whole trip were just blaspheming God, taking his name in vain, just horrible things about our Lord and our Lady. And he spent the whole ride because his heart was so moved at all of these wounds that were being inflicted every five seconds on our Lord's sacred heart that he spent the whole train ride. Every time he heard a blasphemy, uh, he would make an act of reparation in his heart. He would say, Jesus, I love you, right? Or, or something similar. And he just for hours, just he, he felt so much the pain of the Lord and he, and he wanted to, uh, to reverse that and make reparation for it. Um, and then finally, the last sort of horizon I'll mention, there are dozens of others, but the last one that he opened up for me um, in a particular way was humility. And there are obviously many examples of this in his life. Um, two that stand out to me though, there was an instance where he sort of publicly corrected one of his spiritual sons uh, in, the, in the company of a number of other uh, members of Opus Dei in Rome. And the son tried to sort of offer a sort of a defense of why he did what he did. And Jose Maria sort of insisted even more firmly on the correction, you know, questioning why he's trying to defend himself. Uh, and then later on in the day or the next day, he discovered from someone else that uh, he had actually misunderstood the whole situation. And so immediately at the next possible opportunity, when, when there was a big gathering of people and this son of his was there, he publicly apologized, he praised him, he said, I was all wrong, like I was, you know, yada, yada, yada. And just sort of, he immediately took the next possible opportunity to humble himself and apologize for the mistake uh, that he had made. And uh, I, I found that to be very moving. Often in my own life, I delay as long as possible right? <laughs> an apology. Um, and the second example of his humility was just how insistent he was. Some of you may be familiar with this. Uh, when he was founding out this day, it was not the custom, it was not allowed apparently by canon law that the founder of, of an institute or the superior of an institute could receive fraternal correction from those who were under them. It was not allowed. Uh, and he was insistent. He, he begged the bag. He's like, please do not deprive me of this absolutely essential means of, of my growth and, and holiness that I receive correction. And so finally they, they relent and said, okay, these two priests, you know, that accompany you all the time, your custodes, your guardians, uh, they can give you correction. And I think about how difficult it is for me to receive correction of any kind, uh, much less to beg and plead that somebody could constantly point out my faults 24-7 so that I can grow in holiness, right? That requires an incredible humility. I don't, 
I mean, maybe some of you are there, but I would be hard-pressed to have two people with me all the time, and their job was to point out every single thing that I'm doing wrong, <laughs> right? Uh, so, so just a great humility on his part to, um, to desire that. And finally, of course, we'd, we'd get everything wrong if we didn't end with uh, our Blessed Mother. Uh, many of you are uh, familiar with the fact that he did not want anybody to imitate him in anything except when it came to his devotion to Mary. He said, in that, you can, you can imitate me. Um, and so today we, we ask her intercession to watch over all of us, um, to help us become saints in the middle of the world, uh, sort of basking in the glow of our identity as uh, adopted uh, sons and daughters of God.